welcome to the Auto Parent Podcast, episode 21, which we're calling Tennessee Deacons and One Co-Hosting Elder. I'm your host, Pastor Casey, and y'all know me. So let's get to our special guests for this episode. Yes, I said guests. We have a co-host that's present with us. You may remember her from the like very first guest spot on the Auto Parent Podcast. Her name is the Reverend Corey Alexander Willette. Welcome. Thank you for having me on again. Often quoted, definitely revered by the auto parent family. Our special, special guest for this episode is the Reverend J. Tyler Peterson, and he is the Associate Director at Community Care Fellowship, which is a day shelter for unhoused and socially displaced neighbors that provides stabilizing services like laundry, meals, showers, etc., and transformational services like employment, housing, mental health, counseling, etc. And he also holds a secondary ministry appointment at Calvary UMC in Nashville, and he is a dad to Will. Welcome to the podcast. Thank, thank you for the applause, uh, Cash and company. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we're going to jump right into our special guest questions, which is what we always do. Corey, obviously, as co-host, feel free to hop in, especially if you have a recent pet peeve, because uh, so, that's our first question. So, Tyler, tell everyone, let's just get it started the right way. What is your biggest pet peeve? You know, there are so many um, and trying, since this is not the auto partner podcast, I'm not going to talk about my wife. So I'm going to talk about one that uh, my brother made me realize that is a pet peeve of mine is when I am in a hurry and there are people in front of me that are walking really slow and mm. I need them to get out of the way. And no matter what they do, they do not move or they move in the exact place I don't want them to. And it drives me freaking nuts. And my brother, like when he was like a teenager pointed that out to me and that, that has always, it always bugged me because I'm always trying to get somewhere and do something. So I will call out my spouse on this podcast. (laughs) And it is completely related to that. So when Ryan and I are at the grocery store, I push the cart, I have the list, Ryan's along for the ride. But sometimes he will walk in front of me and ever so slowly slow down (laughs) until I get mad enough at him that I just whip the cart around him and pass him. (laughs) Y'all, this is hilarious because... It is also a pet peeve of mine because... Even when he's not trying to intentionally walk slow, he is the slowest person I've ever been with. (laughs) I've ever met. He walks so slow. (laughs) So I definitely relate to that, Tyler, a lot. (laughs) This is so funny because I have had this since I was really young. I do the same thing. I walk really, really fast. Um, Mm. And one time we were at a Titans game and we were sitting up at the very top, you know, and you know, the like the ramp at Nissan Stadium that you have to walk up. It's like insane. Mm -hmm. Well, people, like my goal is to get up there as 
like humanly as fast as humanly possible, <laughs> like sure. so fast. So anyway, I like when it's super crowded, like I will just, I mean, I'll just weave in and out. And I, Greg one time was like, what are you doing? I was like, I am a running back right now and I'm finding the holes. That is what I'm doing. And you need to follow me because, <laughs> because this is how we're doing it. When the Titans are having off seasons, they need to hire us. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> like, which feels more often than not. So, <laughs> all right. So, the next question that we like to ask is, "What is the hardest time you've ever laughed?" And I always say that it doesn't have to be a good story because it doesn't. Um, most of the time, it's like a time when you weren't even supposed to be laughing, which makes it even better. So, tell us about a time that you've laughed really, really hard. Okay, so I don't know. I might've been in high school. I might've been in college, but for whatever reason, me and a few of my guy friends decided to go to the zoo and I'm living in Atlanta at this time. So zoo Atlanta and such a good zoo at this time. Uh, Donald's has the super, super size at the zoo. So like, I mean, there's a McDonald's cup that is like more than a half a gallon. So we're like carrying these cups around and there's a fry. I mean, it's, it's like a whole bag of potatoes. We're carrying <laughs> these around. And then one of my friends, he and his big sister terrified of birds, like horrifically yeah. terrified of birds. And so we're walking through the zoo and my buddy sees the sign for the cassowary exhibit. And I don't know if you know what a cassowary is, but it's like an ostrich with like really big talons. No, it's my favorite animal at the zoo. <laughs> yeah, it's really big talons. And he somewhere on the internet found something about there being like one to five cassowary deaths worldwide every year. <laughs> like what? one, like maybe like someone died by, like by cassowary in, in Africa or, yeah. you know, in the wild, not even on our continent. Right. Anyway, so we are walking around the cassowary cage to get to the next exhibit. And I mean, we effectively avoid the cassowary. And this owl is in a, like a cage where when we owl? turn the corner, Who? an owl, an O-W-L. Who? Okay. <laughs> and then and he's facing the other way. And this owl does this. For those of you that can't see, the owl is he like. He turns his head all the way around. around a full 180 and looks right at him and he loses it. He is losing his absolute mind and I fall on the ground laughing <laughs> so freaking hard. <laughs> and so did some of my other friends. I, I just, it was, it was the hardest I've ever left to this day. Was it like one of those white owls? Like Hedwig? It was a brown owl. Yeah, like it wasn't Hedwig. like a, it wasn't Hedwig, no. Oh, oh bummer. Um, I don't care about the story anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we think that owl is now? You don't Probably want me to dead. answer that, honestly. Okay, well, that's what I was going to say, but I wasn't going to say it, Tyler. How long do owls live? I don't know, but I hear they're a hoot and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I also hear they're alive. You're welcome for the puns. This is the auto pun podcast. We're glad you've been with us. Um, it turns out That's... owls can live up to 25 years, and according to the Owl Research Institute. That's a quarter of a century. Mm-hmm. So it, to be a wise So that owl could owl. still be there in Atlanta. <laughs> he still could be there. I mean, that was only about 10 years ago. 
So what it, do you think it was a milky eagle owl? <laughs> I'm currently, Corey. for those at home, I have Googled one, the age of the owl and two owls at the Atlanta Zoo. I don't know. I just remember an owl turning to said all the way around looking right at my buddy and he just like immediately lost it. I don't, I don't know how to describe me. it. That would terrify me, to be honest. So in the wild, virtually any animal of small to moderate size can fall prey to owls. Oh, so like they eat squirrels. So the uh, milky eagle owl at the zoo. What makes it milky? Mice, rats, chicks, quail, and a commercially prepared bird of prey supplement. (laughs) Hold on. I... I, was I think focused milk, on finding out milky. if they eat mice and not what their name is about. Give yeah, me a second. I need to know what makes the owl milky. Milk. Milk? <laughs> oh, they drink milk? milk? No, I don't think that's right. Where would that's they find makes... milk? They're not sucking on cow teats. <laughs> yes, and cows are the like... only animals that make milk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Kind of my point, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is the what is the root of milky? It's milk. Okay, I understand your point, but I'm just saying, like, Jeez, unless they're being little, given you milk, southern, you got a little southern back in there. Casey. Okay, here's the deal, y'all are. Are you tired? Yes, are you auto tired? parent listeners, you just need to know it is 9:20 p.m. There's gin in my cup, and I am tired. So you're gonna get. Southern KC for this evening. All right. Okay. Um, let's do some partner parenting is. fails. So, wait, hold on. I just read a sentence about why the milky eagle owl is oh, called. Oh, tell me. <laughs> Hit me with it, Corey Alexander. Okay. Let. According to zooatlanta.org, <laughs> the milky eagle owl earns its name from the distinctive bare upper eyelids that are easily visible during a blink or a nap. During breeding season, the eyelids of the males become pinkish or purple, strongly suggesting a role in visual communication associated with reproduction. Females are generally larger than males. Wow. So it has to do with their eyelids. And reproduction. And this is a parenting podcast, so it all fits. So we tied it back together. Okay, well, now it's 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 educational. You're welcome, parents, for this educational content. When your children are driving you nuts tomorrow, just be like, you know what I learned about today? A milky eagle owl. And they suck on cow teats. And that's why. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That is not on the Zoo Atlanta website. Please don't sue us. Zoo Atlanta cannot be held responsible for false claims made about the milky owl, eagle, eagle owl. Um, Okay, so now it's time for a segment called Parenting Fails, Confessions, and Wins. Uh, Tonight, we're going to do some parenting and partner fails, um, confessions, and wins, and I'm really excited. So, Tyler, why don't you start us off? Do you have a parenting fail or a partner fail you want to share? You know, I've been thinking about so many of these for several (laughs) months now. And so many could be very good to share. The one when I initially, you asked me to do the podcast, my wife said, this is the one you need to share. When uh, my son first got out of his crib, I'd watched him climb over his crib the first time on like on the camera and I got him. Well, one day I had gone downstairs and, and I'd taken a shower and he was already eating breakfast when I had got up and then... The next day, 
I was like, oh, thank you for getting Will up saying this to my wife. <laughs> and she was like, what? She's like, I didn't get him out of bed. <laughs> and so we realized he'd like climbed out of the table and, you know, got or climbed out of the crib and gone to the table downstairs by himself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah, we realized that. And uh, also why another thing that happened just a few days ago related to the stairs and why I'm questioning why we have two levels on our home. <laughs> we decided that he could watch Blippy, which is a disaster <gasps> of a thing. We don't really need to get into that, but we're like, okay, I made the mistake. That is my parenting fail that I exposed my child to that in the first place. But <clears throat> anyways, he was upstairs watching that by himself. And my wife and I thought, okay, we can sit downstairs by ourselves together for a few minutes. We did. And we were having a nice time. And then not too long after we heard a very loud crash. And my son is at the bottom of the stairs, hardwood floor. Uh, on his plastic tractor, which he, <laughs> I believe, rode all the way down the damn stairs. I mean, live his best life. Like, that was God telling you you shouldn't let your kid watch Blippi. Or that was God telling you you need Can to tell a slide wife, over please. your stairs. <laughs> um, let me just interject and say, parents, if you don't understand or know about the Blippi phenomenon, you should totally Google Blippi. Uh, Tyler sent a group text to all of us the other day and ruined our lives with the Blippi wiki page. So you're welcome. For what it's worth, sorry. I as sorry, a dog parent have chosen not to expose my children <laughs> to the Blippi phenomenon. <laughs> I am going to share. <laughs> okay. I'm going to share a partner fail. Um, this makes me laugh every time it happens, and it happens all the he's time. He's right behind you. He is right behind me, so he's going to hear me say this, but he knows it's true, so he won't deny it. So, our six year old, Cash, he will get himself dressed, and he like has to wear clothes all the time. It's great. He like puts clothes on, it's wonderful. Now we have a three year old who we named after a delinquent and on a TV show and he's just naked all the time. Like he will not put clothes on, like it will not happen. So anyway, anytime we have to go somewhere, we have to get the little one dressed. And what Greg does is he says, Riggs, go get dressed. <laughs> he's three. Riggs, go get dressed. Like he's just going to drunk toddler his way to some clothes and figure out a way to put it on his body all by himself. So then I'm like, Greg, I'll, at this point I'll just laugh and he knows that I'm laughing at him because he knows that's not going to happen. So then he'll go and actually pick out the clothes for Riggs and then he'll go and sit down and say, Riggs, come over here. Time to get dressed. <laughs> and he'll sit there. I swear on my life, he will sit there for 20 minutes, every five minutes going, Riggs, come on. It's time to get dressed every five minutes. And eventually I just got to the point where I was like, Greg, you let me know when that works. Cause every other parent I know is chasing their three-year-old around the house, trying to get them dressed. Like, I mean, there are arms and limbs flying everywhere where I'm like shoving shirts and pants and whatever on him. Like you, that's what you have to do to get your child dressed. You can't just tell them, go get dressed. <laughs> so Just like, uh, let me know how that works. You got anything to say for yourself? That's 100% true. Yeah, I know it's 100% true. <laughs> All right, Corey, do you have a partner fail? So I have a partner fail. So 
My husband works in the school system, and so he wakes up before I do. And so sometimes I'll get a text from him before I wake up. Well, this past week, I got a text from him, and it said, Hey, just to let you know, I broke the dryer. But don't worry, I can fix it. (laughs) So I said, okay. And I went on with my day. So he gets out of school and calls me around 3.30. And he's like, all right, Corey, here's what I need you to do. I've watched this YouTube video. And you need to remove the lint trap and unscrew the screws and lift up the hood of the dryer and then take the front panel off. And I was like, okay, I didn't bring the toolbox with me. And he was like, go get tools. I was like, okay. Now keep in mind, Ryan and I do not often play into these like gender stereotype roles. Right. Like we try really hard not to. So the way he broke the dryer, you know, when you leave clothes in the dryer overnight and you're trying to find something and it's hard. So you spin the barrel so that you get new clothes on top. Yes. I do that all the time. Yeah, it turns out if you spin the barrel the wrong way, the belt breaks. Well, the belt comes off. How strong do you have to be to do that? Apparently not very, according to my husband. Also, don't tell him I said this, but how dumb do you have to be to spin it the wrong way? (laughs) Casey, for the sake of my marriage, there are questions I don't ask. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So... I have the, I have it open and we're, when he gets home, I was like, okay, well, we also need to take the dog to the dog park because he's been crazy and it will be good for him. And Ryan is like, okay, great. We just have to fix the dryer first. So I have the toolbox on the washer next to me and I'm getting everything unscrewed and I'm taking apart our dryer. Keep in mind, we live in a parsonage, so we do not own this dryer. (laughs) So... I get it open and I'm like, okay, the screws that you want me to take off the front don't have a Phillips head or a flat head for me to screw. It's like an, it's like a bolt. Like, I didn't know what I was saying. I just knew what I was looking at. And he was like, okay, that's fine. I'm on my way home. I was like, okay, so then why did I have to start this whole process to begin with? (laughs) So he gets home and I have been promised that when we leave to go to the dog park, I am going to get food to eat. Mm. And I was very hungry. So he gets home and starts to try the same thing that I have done to get these screws unscrewed. Like, I tried needle-nose pliers. I tried the extra, like, wrenches from the Ikea furniture we've built and saved for (laughs) no reason. So he gets home, tries the exact same things that I have tried. And then he looks at me and says, hey, Cor, not to be condescending, but why don't you go eat an apple? (laughs) (gasps) Oh, my God. So I'm like, okay. So I go into our kitchen and I eat an apple and I've got my spoonful of peanut butter because I recently remembered how delicious that is as a snack. And then obviously I'm going to give the like leftover peanut butter remnants to my dog. And so I'm like holding the spoon for him. And Ryan's like, Corey, I need you to come hold the dryer drum. I was like, okay. So I just put the spoon on the kitchen floor. So, cause I'm not going to punish Leo. No. So he gets the rest of his peanut butter. 
and I'm holding this up and I keep having to move back and forth because, so that I can hold it up, but Ryan can get where he needs to, to attach the belt back to the wheel that keeps it tight, that spins the dryer. I have no idea, but it's taking him such a long time that I am holding the dryer drum with one hand. And in my other hand, I am looking up dryer repair phone numbers. <laughs> Oh my but luckily, <laughs> luckily, after 20 minutes of trying to figure out how this belt attaches to this wheel that keeps it tight and attaches to something else, Ryan gets the dryer fixed and we get everything screwed back on and we finally get to the dog park. And luckily, I did not have to use any of the very well-researched phone numbers I got. I was looking up reviews. I was looking up prices. I was ready to go to call somebody to come and fix our dryer. but That sounds like a partner fail and win all in one. Yeah. Redemption really is what I call that. Redemption arc at its finest. <laughs> um, okay, let's do some confessions. Tyler, what do you got? Oh, Lord. How many do I have? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe the, the classic dad confession is... Maybe it's not just dads. Maybe it's moms too, but just hiding in the bathroom to get away <laughs> from, the th- from the things that we have to deal with. Um, For what it's worth, I out there, do that with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Drink, everybody. Corey talked about our dog. <laughs> so in case you are wondering, my dog is the same as all of your children. <laughs> <laughs> I... I used to do that when I was younger. Like when I was a teenager, I would hide in the bathroom so I wouldn't have to clean my room. But as I've gotten older, I don't do that because they will find me. And our apartment in the other um, apartment that we did live in, so we just moved and we're in our new apartment, but the old one, you could unlock the door from the outside. And they figured it out so fast that like I can't even take a poop in peace. Like it was such a frustrating thing. So, um, but Greg, on the other hand, this is, I guess this is Greg's confession. He would do the same thing all the time. Like, I swear, I'm like, you don't have to take a 45 minute shit. What are you doing? Like, it does not take that long. He had 45 minutes. No, it doesn't take that long, but it might take 15. (laughs) We don't have, we don't have children. We don't have children. And that's how long it takes Ryan to take 45 minutes. Yeah. What TikTok is it with that? Is a beast. I don't understand anybody who wants to spend like Here's that long Private, on the toilet. Privacy, privacy is a sacred thing. And, you know, that's sometimes the only quiet time I have. And sometimes I read scripture on the pot. Sometimes I do other things. But. Oh, so you're okay. Holier than thou. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I said sometimes. <laughs> I'm playing games. But is it on an actual like hardcover paper pages Bible or just it's got to be a Gideon Bible or it doesn't count. (laughs) I don't have have a Gideon's Bible in my bathroom. Is it the, is it the King James version? Yeah. I should, I should leave some in there, but I don't know if they'll fit in the drawers that I have. Maybe I can get some custom fitted to the drawers. And if anyone who wants to read one, who comes to number two in my bathroom, they can, they can then have that as a resource, but, no, yeah, that's my general confession. So, how we, great would on. it be? I'm still on the Gideon's thing. Like, how great would it be if your bathroom was like a Gideon's distribution venue? 
They were like, like every six months you would get a knock on the door and it's the Gideons there to restock your bathroom. I mean, more Also, more Tyler, you should not be having that many visitors. It's still COVID. Well, I mean, just in general, but my wife's cousin literally used to work for the Gideons International and now works for Lifeway. So, so you yeah, could I make mean, this like, a reality. I can, I can, I can make it happen. Yeah, it's it's so a we real thing. We weren't joking, if but you, now it's if serious. you need, if you need bathroom Bibles, you just you just find me on uh, social media <laughs> or uh, whatever, and we can make it happen for this you. This is actual holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm so happy right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tyler's um, done it. Tyler has introduced holy shit to the auto parent podcast. <laughs> Let's do some wins. So um, this is my favorite part of the podcast. We'll take them however we get them. Let's do a parenting or partner win. Tyler, what do you got? Well, I've kind of got a combo. So as a parent, a dog parent and a person parent and a spouse parent it feels like sometimes there is stuff left all over the house all the time and fortunately my wife's business uh part of it requires folks to pick up trash on the like the side of highways with uh those like grabber things anyway so she had a couple that weren't quite quality enough for roadside stuff that she'd left in her house so I started picking up stuff in our house with that. So I didn't have to bend over to pick up all my son's toys. <laughs> um, so That's I'm like, okay, right this is better. So like, okay, this, this is good. But then I realized my son is like, he's the bigger problem in all of this. Um, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't That's really pick up are. all of his toys. I can pick up his toys, but I don't want to pick up any, my stuff or his mom's stuff. So I have taught him to pick up mommy's shoes and bring them to mommy's closet. Nice. And so I'll pick up his toys, which is by far way more than mommy's shoes. There are a lot of shoes. My (laughs) current closet used to be her shoe closet. That's amazing. Um, She had an entire closet for shoes. And I give her credit for getting rid of some of those. Um, But she still has plenty that are around the house and will carries them to her closet when I ask him. And I was like, there's more, dude. Oh, wait, there's more over there. There's more over there. There's more upstairs. There's still more. So anyways, teaching my son to, to pick up mommy's shoes is my most most recent win. That's adorable. I, they're so, like, everything's novel at that age, too, which is the best time to, like, do that sort of thing. Like, yeah, I know Cash and Riggs both love doing that stuff. They have to be in the mood, though. Like earlier today, Riggs had a hammer that was just laying on the ground and he picked it up and started banging on all the furniture really hard. And I was like, uh, do you want to give that to mommy? And he was like, yes, I do. And then when he gave it to me, I was like, oh, very good. And then he just went around and started picking up everything and handing it to me. It was great. It was lovely. That's strong. But at what point did you get annoyed that he was just handing you the most random stuff in your house? (laughs) It's like that. um, It's like that trend, which was a trend on TikTok at one point where if somebody's on the phone, like they'll take whatever you give to them. Um, I've always wanted to try that. But that's exactly what I felt like. I was like, oh, good dog food. Lovely. Thanks. So, yeah. All right, Corey, do you have a, a, a partner win? 
Well, I have a dog parent win. Yes, drink dog parent win. Dog parent win. So over the weekend, we were at my aunt and uncle's house. And my aunt and uncle live on a cow. Like, they have cows. They have a farm. They have cows. So we so then they have owls, too, right? Who? They have owls, owls. too, then. The milky. Who? The mil- the milky Who? the milky owl eagles Who? eagle probably <laughs> we only we only saw cows though we didn't see any owls okay so cows. we took Leo with us owls cows <laughs> so we took Leo with us and Leo has never seen cows before and so this is also sort of a parenting fail because Ryan was outside with Leo. And within 10 minutes of us being there, Leo found a whole pile of cow poop to roll around in. Ew. So that was not great. And then Leo, like, pulled out of his harness because he doesn't like to be alone. And we were trying to be inside eating lunch so that Leo didn't make the whole house smell like cow poop. So we finished lunch and we're going to take a walk, like, through the field down to their creek. Leo, we have him on the leash because we're not certain about how good his name recall is. (laughs) But he was running around and I had a whole bag of treats with me. And I was like, Ryan, I think he'll be fine. And so we let go of the leash. And Leo starts just running through this beautiful field of flowers and let's be honest, a whole lot of pollen. (laughs) And just having the time of his life. And watching him run through the flowers and then run through the creek. And my aunt and uncle's 12-year-old dog, Joe, was there. And Joe was upset because Joe just can't keep up with our two-year-old Leo. But watching him have the best time. And then also, when I said, Leo, come, he ran to me and I gave him a handful of treats because I absolutely will bribe my dog to love me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it was just such a joy to watch him have so much joy running through this like wildflower field and through the creek and then also barking at cows because they were, he couldn't figure out what kind of dog they were. Yeah. So it was just a really <laughs> joyful moment to watch him enjoy being off leash and a huge field of flowers and at the creek. So, you know, like we we can joke about like, you know, the similarities between dogs and kids all day long. But like there is something really special for me as a parent when my children aren't because like, you know, they're they're a flight risk most of the time. Like not not much different than a dog. Like um, I recommend freeze dried beef liver. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll try that. <laughs> and so it's just, it's it's really cool when like we're back in Tennessee or something and we're at my grandparents' house and they have a creek in the back and there, there's nothing holding them from just running as free as possible. And it's just like, it's a really beautiful thing. And it's like, it reminds me about this idea of letting kids be kids and like the way that we were sort of raised, mm-hmm. like, um, and even the generation ahead of us, I mean, like I wasn't a stay out until the streetlights come on, but like, I know the generation ahead of us, like that was kind of their thing. And like, I don't know, part of me thinks that like, we've lost the ideas that kids need to be kids. And especially mm-hmm. in a town like DC, like the schools are really, really like they're 
rigorous and difficult. And um, it just reminds me that like there's this spirit that sometimes can get stifled in environments like that of being a child and, and experiencing joy and all of that. And so that all came from a story about your dog. Isn't that lovely? Indeed it did. I mean, is that not the kingdom, right? Like, yes. don't you don't you hope like we're running free through a field of wildflowers? Yes. And just with our kids and our dogs and we can experience that same freedom and joy that they ha- that they have. Yeah. Freaking cheers to that. For Tyler. all people. <laughs> for all people. For um, everyone. Yeah. That's beautiful. Everyone. And like the beauty that we remember that like that is present with us on earth. Yeah. The like, yes, we experience that together, but also Man. like yeah. Well, Ugh. this has so been good. a segment called Parenting Fails, Confessions, and Wins, FCW. Um, if you have your own parenting confessions, fails, or wins that you want to share with the podcast, you can do that via voice memo. We would love to hear your voice, or you can type it out to us on Instagram or Twitter at AutoParent. And now it's time to do a little something different. time for our get real segment where each week we take the lectionary passage and get real our lectionary text for this week comes from isaiah chapter six the lectionary piece is actually verses one through eight but we're going to read the whole thing because it only has 13 verses so here it is in the new revised standard version in the year that king uzziah died i saw the lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings, and two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice, of the, the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. Make the mind of this people dull, and stop their ears, and shut their eyes, so that they may not look with their eyes, and listen with their ears, and comprehend with their minds, and turn and be healed." Then I said, How long, O Lord? And God said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people, and the land is utterly desolate. Until the Lord sends everyone far away, and vast is emptiness in the midst of the land. Even if a tenth part remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains standing when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. This is the word of the Lord. Let's God. Mm. 
So let's just do um, some initial reactions for this uh, call text from Isaiah. Tyler, what what are you thinking first? Well, in the spirit of the auto parent podcast, how could I not get a verse seven? See, this is touch your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Kick rocks guilt, right? Yeah, that's right. Let's go. Yeah. Kick those so rocks. I got to bring that up first. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler is an avid listener of the podcast, which is lovely to have somebody on who listens. So he knows that over here at the Auto Parent Podcast, we tell guilt and shame to just kick rocks. It's what we do. So yeah, that's great. Corey, what are some initial reactions that you have with this Isaiah call text? Well, honestly, Tyler kind of took it from me. Because I also looked at this guilt and guilt departed and your sin is blotted out. But then I also think about the next verse that says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And as the elder of the United Methodist Church on this call, I can't (laughs) help but think as I get ready to transition from my current appointment to my new appointment in about a month that that is what we sign up for as elders that itinerate and get calls from our DSs that say, this is where you're going. Yeah. These are the people you're going to be loving. And you just have to say, here I am, send me. And so that is something that really resonates with me as I prepare to move to a new city, to a new congregation, and move for the first time actually married to someone who is moving with me. (laughs) And so that is a part that really sticks out to me. But also this part that says, keep listening, go and say to this people, keep listening, but don't comprehend, keep looking, but don't understand. All I want to do is understand things. Right. All I want to do is find the truth, find the answer, find... It's because you're a one on the Enneagram, just like me. Bingo, bingo, bongo. (laughs) I'm a a two swing one, by the way. Yeah, there we go. I I feel you. Maybe some days I'm a one more than I'm a two, so... Yeah. Yeah, so this idea of not being able to understand or know what is going on terrifies me. I love having answers. I love knowing things. And so the reminder that in these calls that God places on our lives, regardless of of if you're an elder or even just a general clergy person in the United Methodist Church, knowing that when God calls you, you are stepping in in deep faith. Right. And stepping into these things that sometimes you don't understand. Definitely resonates with me a lot right now. That was my initial reaction is like the here I am, send me comes before the like, here's what you need to tell them, right? Yeah. Which isn't particularly like an affirming or great message. Like it's not necessarily like something that's like super great and uplifting. It's a little bit of ugh. So what like our natural inclination in in a text like this is to say, look, look how selfless and wonderful and amazing Isaiah is like, here I am, send me, right? Like it would be our goal to have that sort of um, posture when it comes to receiving some kind of divine call. And I just want to be the one to say it doesn't always work that way, does it? And so sometimes like 
saying, here I am, send me. It's more or less like a way of being as opposed Mm -hmm. to like saying yes to something we don't necessarily know. I think it's saying yes to the unknowing. And that's hard for me as one, as you were just saying, like, I think that there's beauty and love and all kinds of things waiting for us in the unknown, including being known. And so, right, right. Absolutely. I think it's just really interesting and and perhaps a different way of looking at it to say, yeah, Isaiah is great. Just stepping out into faith and, and whatever, mm-hmm. but sometimes that's just not feasible for all of us. And so what, it, what it really looks like is a conscious stepping out into some comfortability with the unknown. Well, and talk to any clergy person. And say, hey, what was your call to ministry like? (laughs) You definitely get the people who are like, yes, I have been called since I was 13 years old. And I've known that this is what I'm doing. Right. And there are people, myself included, that when we realized we were being called to ministry, we were like, nope, actually, (laughs) I'm good. I'm going to do something else for a while. And so it's not this like wholehearted, here I am, send me, because there is a lot of unknown in ministry. And so knowing that like, there is grace, I am currently wearing a t-shirt as we record this that says grace is free, guac is extra. (laughs) And so as we live into who God is calling us to be, no matter if that is ministry or parenthood or anything else, there is grace in that for us to figure out and truly hear what God is saying to us before we step into this unknown. Yeah, Tyler, what about you? Did you run from your call? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I I read this, it's a reminder, it's a renewal for a a Mm -hmm. call. I mean, Isaiah was already called, and we all already are called. And I think he's just reminded of God's holiness in this and... I mean, you know, he recognizes that, frankly, while his lips are unclean, he sucks because I recognize that in myself as a, at least a swing one. I, yeah, I give myself a hard time. <laughs> you kick your yes. own ass a little uh, bit. Yeah, as yeah. Uh, you and uh, Mary, Mary Kate Bright said a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do that uh, on occasion. And it's a recognition of that, but it's the recognition of the holiness of God and how great tying it into your shirt, Corey, uh, <laughs> God's grace. Uh, I mean, I'm not a guac fan. I'm glad the grace is free and not the guac because I'm not a guac fan. So I'll take the grace. Blasphemy. We can talk about that after the podcast. Now, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can we'll counsel my you son, later. My son can get on here about how cheese dip is the grace of God probably. So, oh, um, I mean, that is also He's true. not wrong. So yeah. that, that's the other thing. Let me say one thing about what you just said wh- that I love, which is that you're kind of like turning this whole thing on on its head a little bit, especially as a one. It's so resonated with me when you were talking about kicking your own ass. Like that is something I do all the time. And what an important shift for me to not be so egocentric and to to not be so focused on my lack that I can't see the fullness of God. Like that's a whole word. It's a whole word, and it spoke to me, and I just wanted to say that. Yeah, so that's a perfect segue to what I was going to say. I was going to go back to what the like the angels, the seraphims, were singing, right? So they were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of God's glory, right? 
So the whole earth is full of God's glory. Like, and so I like we, you changed the text on us yesterday and (laughs) per my request, have you, but per your request, I I I, I was just making a stab at you, but you know, anyways, I'm so happy you did because I like the whole earth is full of God's glory. That has sat with me. I read it last night after that, and it's been sitting with me all day. And and I've been thinking about that. And I've been looking outside my truck window, um, out in the, the parking lot today. I, I was, you know, serving some unhoused folks, uh, helping them, pr- providing them showers and, and laundry and food and, and other things out of an RV in a church parking lot up in Madison, Tennessee. And, um, the whole earth is full, full is the key word there. Full. Yeah. It's full of it. And I just think about this last year, year and a half that we've had. And I'm, I'm like, do we even recognize the fullness of God's glory at all anymore? Um, and, yeah. and how that is, um, let, let alone it, God's holiness, you know, it's easy to recognize our uncleanliness or sinfulness or all of that. We probably recognize that more than we want to in the last year, not being able to really go to church, but that is what's out with me. The whole earth is full of God's glory and in the, the holy, 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 the triune God. Right. Well, and it goes back to this communion liturgy. Yeah, That when we partake in the sacrament of Holy Communion, we say together, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. And it comes after we have recounted this steadfastness of God that and we give thanks for all of the creation around us from God Almighty. And it says, you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. And our response to that is holy, holy, holy Lord. And so even in creation, even in the midst of our being, we contain this holiness of God and live into who God has called us to be and live into this beauty and glory of Christ who has come for us, who died for us, who we embody in our works, who we have been called to be Christ's hands and feet in the world. And so doing that, we have to be willing to see this glory of God around us. Yeah, I think I think what you're saying is so important. As the resident mystic, I'll say that like w- one of the things that's most striking to me about it is that this connection to communion is that it happens like through a meal. Like it happens yeah. in a very simple way. It's not like, you know, like we have to sit on our meditation cushion and we have to channel and we have to do this and we have to do that mm-hmm. and whatever. Like it's accessible via uh food that we need as organisms yeah. that um is is just very very simple and I'll just say this like one of the things that strikes me is that when I get anxious and when I feel like I'm not you know comprehending things that are going on or I'm in a confusing state or my anxiety is just rampant one of the things that I forget to do is eat mm-hmm. 
And it's just a reminder to me that through this meal (laughs) that is quite literally sustenance for our bodies, we can also be reminded and reconnected to spirit in the midst of confusion and perhaps uh, lack and feeling less than and whatever, um, that we need to remember to show up to the table. That's all we have to do. Like there's a chair, like that's all we have to do. We don't have to get it right. We just have to show up. And the table is open to all. Yes. Yeah. The table is open to us as sinners. The table is open to (laughs) us as we... (laughs) As we recognize our guilt, like the table is not restricted in any way, regardless of how you think you are in the world, regardless of who has said, no, you don't belong at the table. Right. Christ still says, no, this table is open. Well, there is no gatekeeper to the table, right? Because if there were, Peter and Judas and whoever else wouldn't have gotten anything to eat. So right. this is not mm-hmm. how it works. This is I not love how- preaching on Judas because <laughs> even in the midst of Christ knowing that Judas would betray him, Christ washed his feet, Christ invited him to the table not to get all Jesus-y on the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> we are very Jesus-y right now. <laughs> but <laughs> I was going to try to bring us back and talk a little bit about prophecy and prophetic witness. Um, yeah, go for it, because I got us real derailed on communion. Well, I can, can, I, can we go, can go, we go back to, like, this text lends itself back to, like, Moses and then also looks forward, yeah. right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Like Moses on Mount Sinai with the smoke and anyways, in the temple and like, it's full of it. You, I mean, you're smarter than me. Mm-hmm. I'm just a, I'm a, what? I'm a, I'm a, just a lowly, I'm a lowly deacon yeah, who doesn't actually short. work at a church on a regular basis. I can't have it. I can't have what I think Ooh. on public record, go Vols, uh, for the record. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I can't have that on record. Go Duke. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> so, yeah, what I was thinking specifically uh, about prophecy and prophetic witness is like, I, and I don't know, you all can tell me this too, but for me, as somebody who's been trying to continually have something to say in the midst of a global pandemic, and, and here at Foundry, we have been outside of the building for the entirety of it and trying to create new and original, like, and creative ways of preaching and teaching and offering some kind of word um, in the midst of this has been really, really difficult. It's been really hard. And I have, there have been nights where I've been lying in bed, just sort of reckoning with myself and trying to figure out, like, I mean, I I will say to myself over and over again, like, this is the moment for prophets. Like, this is what happens in Scripture and in the Hebrew text in particular over and over again in the stories of the prophets. Mm -hmm. It happens in exile. Like, (laughs) it happens after someone's been conquered. It happens in and amongst plagues and all other kinds of things. And so it just, it reminds me of you know, the sacrifice of what it really looks like to be a prophet and to stand in the gap um, and to, you know, to breathe spirit, to breathe spirit over dry bones. Yeah, especially when what is being said isn't what wants to be heard. Yeah, yeah. Say more about Mm -hmm. that. Well, just this idea that 
there's a prophetic word in this Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. There is prophetic word in what is happening with Israel and Palestine. Yeah. There is prophetic word in caring for our neighbor by wearing masks and being vaccinated and limiting our exposure. And that sometimes that's not the word that wants to be heard. Yeah. Sometimes that word is heard as divisive and or not far enough or not e- or you know not, not far enough, enough or, or not enough yeah, or too it's little hard. or whatever it is. And so how do we as the church live into this understanding that sometimes what we say is not what wants to be heard? Yeah, you bring up an excellent point too about the sort of the difficulty of prophecy in any moment, right? Yeah. Is figuring out how to remain connected to the source. A couple of weeks ago, we did the vine and the branches were the lectionary text. And it just reminds mm-hmm. me about, here we are back in the New Testament again, <laughs> maintaining that connection <laughs> to source and to spirit and to life and to yeah. love so that we can be as close to kingdom language and inclusion and mm-hmm. life as possible. And, you know, kindness first. Like I say this all the time, like, I don't care what your personality type is. I don't care how you show up. I don't care what you've been through. What your Enneagram number is. (laughs) What your Enneagram (laughs) number is. There's just no excuse to be an asshole. Like, there just really isn't. Like, Mm -hmm. kindness first. Kindness first. Um, Tyler, what were you going to say? Well, um, my excuse is, but it's appropriate for the Out of Heron podcast, that my son was knocking on the door in that he didn't want to go to bed without saying goodnight to daddy. So my train of thought was since lost but you know my apologies for not being completely focused on what you were saying but i will anything else you want to say about this text in particular well to be funny like aren't that like the seraphims like grabbing these coals and stuff with tongs like yeah. where, did they, where did they get these tongs like what I, okay that, y'all. That, that, that's just a totally Let's random do... Let's do a word study right now. We're going to do this in real time. Um, I'm looking up what this actual word is and seeing if it's used anywhere else. It's verse six. Then one of the seraphs flew to me holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. Okay. Tongs. Malachahayim is the word. And it is used a couple other times. It's okay. Oh my gosh. Snuffers or tongs? Snuffers? Snuffers. Like, dibs on using that as a dog name. Snuffers. <laughs> you know, like candle snuffers, like the other end of an acolyte pole. What are those things called? Mm, We're bad snuffers. clergy. I mean, we haven't been uh, to church in a year and a half. Really? That's true. Not, not uh, to where speak we for would, yourself. We're back in person. An acolyte, Corey? Um, tapers. It's like, it's like acolyte. a taper outdoor service yeah well we didn't have one last week so i lit the candles yeah in first kings it says the lamp stands of pure gold five on the south side five on the north before the inner sanctuary the flowers the lamps and the tongs of gold gold tongs i, I didn't get that in this okay so there are a few different things <laughs> if you visit the internet you'll be able to find a diagram <laughs> So (laughs) the candle wick that goes inside of the acolyte stick is called the taper. The part that houses the taper is called the barrel. 
And then there's a pin that allows you to move the taper up and down right. to These are old have school. more wick. These yes. are not the this old is, ones. No, this is the old ones. No, the ol. Ol? Oil. Yeah. Oil. Oil ones. No, it works the same oil way. Or- Oil, I know. Like O-I-L oil. or O-L-E. The candles are usually oil, but there's usually like a wick in the... Those are the old school acolyte sticks. Now they come with little oil chambers. Okay. Well, my church does not have the oil changer- chambers <laughs> in them. <laughs> what is so the then, actual whole acolyte stick called? Uh, a candle lighter. No. And so then I mean, the bell is what extinguishes the, the candles. Bell. At the okay, end. so that's what we're kind of talking about. So, auto parent listeners, if you're listening, and and you can imagine, I know it's been so long, <coughs> but you can imagine being in the building. What I want you to imagine is a is an acolyte stick, and the bell at the end of the acolyte stick, the snuffer. That would be like imagine if that had teeth and was like a grabby thing. <laughs> that's. <laughs> I, That's what they use to pick up the calls. I hope this doesn't make it into the episode. Casey, I just dropped a picture of it in the chat if you would like to share it with these episode notes. Oh, I do want to share it. Uh, we'll make sure to post that on the uh, auto parent Instagram and Corey Twitter. Alexander Blit on Twitter at <laughs> CSwizzle12. <laughs> Okay, so I want to ask this question just before we get done with the lectionary piece. I want to talk about how this text relates to us as parents or what it has to say to parents. And yeah, Tyler, what do you got? Yeah, so I just think about, I I love Isaiah because of the prophetic words that I really had nothing to add to because I was chasing my own son around the room at at the time that you were doing that. But um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and my apologies for not adding anything to that. And thank you for those words that I was hearing them. And thank you for those. But I think about as as a parent and trying to instill something in our children. I'm trying to think about the time of Isaiah and something that is to come. So for our children, we're teaching them what is coming for them. And that's what we are trying to do. You know, we want them to say those words, send me, right? We want them to own that themselves. And, you know, that's something I did reluctantly for the better part of a decade. And then finally, you know, I bit the bullet, as it were, (laughs) and went to Vanderbilt, even though I wanted to go to Emory like Corey and have the candle candler difference. But, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't have it. I just, I couldn't do it. What I want to say is just that I think one of the best ways to be a prophet is to just continue to show up. Mm It's to just continue to show up. And if, if we teach our kids that, then they, they will do the same thing. And I think what's beautiful about that is acknowledging when we don't know, acknowledging when we're confused or sad or lonely or scared and allowing them to have those feelings and to to encounter the world in the same way that we do because it's honest, it's connected, it's beautiful, and ultimately it ends in hope. And I think that's just an important word that Isaiah has for us as parents. And that there's grace when we yeah. mess up. That there is always grace when we get mad at our dogs or our kids <laughs> or whatever the case may be 
that our sin is blotted out, that even when we are full of guilt and sin and shame, God still says, who shall I send? And we still get to respond, me. Yeah. That's a word. That's a word. Well, this has been amazing. I'm so glad we got to do this together. You all are badasses, and I so appreciate you. Corey, you'll probably be back co-hosting again, I'm sure. Um, We're also going to record a special podcast coming up soon. And yeah, now it's time for our mantra. Thanks for listening to the Auto Parent Podcast. We're going to leave you with a parent mantra, something you can say to yourself or to your partner just to know that you're not alone. Your mantra for this week is, Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. Because friends, if we don't believe that, it's going to be really hard to convince our kids. this, you don't have to be an auto parent to be a good one. I've been your host, Pastor KC. You can follow me on Twitter at RevKCVC. Join us next week, same time, same place. You can find out more information about Foundry United Methodist Church by visiting our website, www.foundryumc.org. If you're specifically looking for information about our family ministries department or our offerings for parents, you can find those at www.foundryumc.org slash family ministries.